Welcome to the Online Course Master Show, where we learn from the best online course creators how to better create and sell our very own courses. I'm your host, Phil Ebener, and today I have Gabby Wallace on the show. She's built an online learning empire with over 250,000 YouTube subscribers and thousands of students in her self-hosted courses. She's about to drop some major knowledge bombs on us, so get excited. Visit OnlineCourseMasters.com for show notes to watch the video version of this episode and see an archive of all our past guests. Please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening, and make sure to leave a rating. Help us get our first 100 ratings so I can know whether to keep making this show or not. Let's get straight on to the interview. Tell us a little bit more about your background before you got started with teaching online courses. Before I got started teaching online courses, I was a traditional classroom teacher. I taught English as a second language and Spanish as a foreign language for several years at like all different age levels. I think I've taught everyone from kindergartners to senior citizens. So I have a lot of experience with different ages, different backgrounds. I taught abroad in Japan for three years. I taught high school in the U.S. for three years. I taught in universities in different countries and in corporate situations um, in the U.S., in Brazil. And obviously, I love to travel since I've I've lived abroad in a few different places. And, um, and yeah, so that's kind of how it all got started because I wanted to have a job where I could travel and see the world and have some adventures and meet people from different cultures and backgrounds. And so I thought, hey, maybe through teaching I could do this. And it did allow me that freedom for a while. But then I realized, you know, after teaching for several years, like there's a lot of constraints with that too. Yeah, that's awesome that you have that experience because I'm someone who never had a background in teaching. So when I started creating my first online courses, I had to learn how to teach people. And especially on video it's or online, it's different than being in person. So can you talk about transitioning from being a, an in-person teacher to creating your online courses and kind of what some of those differences are? Yeah, absolutely. So I taught in person for something like 12 years and making the transition was super scary. I was like, even though it's kind of the same thing, I mean, I tutored one-on-one, I did, you know, small groups, I did bigger classroom settings. And it's like, if you take one-on-one and then you take it from in-person to on Skype, you wouldn't think it's that different, but like, it does feel different, especially if you don't do a lot of Skype meetings in general, it feels like you like the connection is different. I mean, literally, like if you have a bad Wi-Fi connection, but I mean, like, you know, you, you don't really look the person in the eyes. You can't really like, I don't know. It's just different. You don't shake their hand. It's different. Um, so I transitioned by actually it's, it's weird. I started my YouTube channel for English learners before I started doing Skype lessons. Um, so that may be kind of counterintuitive, but I didn't do my YouTube channel as marketing for online lessons. I did it because I wanted to, to help my existing classroom students. And then that actually unknowingly started attracting students to me who wanted to have me as their online teacher. And I just thought, wow, these people are, you know, basically like begging me to teach them online. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. And it just kind of pushed me to get started. And, um, yeah, I just got used to it. I just, you know, I practiced Skype. This is like back in what, 2000, 
11 and I had to like practice Skype cause it was still new to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I was like, Hey, like to my friends and my family, I was like, can we Skype a few times? Cause I need to like practice before I actually do this as a paid tutoring thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you do things digitally, right? Instead of making copies on the copy machine, you make a PDF and you share it with your student or a slide, uh, show a presentation, or, you know, sometimes you just do conversation, you're coaching, you're talking through things. So, um, yeah, so it's just kind of shifting your materials and shifting a few things, um, to do online lessons, uh, like one-on-one lessons. And so that's how you started. You were actually doing one-on-one lessons over Skype before you actually created like a standalone course. Yeah. In terms of, um, offering services or products. Yeah, that's correct. Okay, cool. It sounds, it's actually a very natural progression in my mind. It seems like, you know, someone is teaching and so they think, oh, well I can supplement my material with YouTube videos. That seems pretty cool. And then the online tutoring via Skype or something like that. And then putting together, your own standalone courses. Mm-hmm. So when you started putting your standalone courses together, what, how did you even hear about creating courses or what, what was your process for doing that like? Yeah, what happens was I had so much demand from my YouTube audience for online lessons that I started thinking about it and doing the math and realizing, okay, I only have so many hours in the day and so many hours that I can really bring good energy and effort to online lessons. And I want to help more people, but I don't have more time in the day. And so how do I help more people without like, you know, making myself go crazy and not sleeping and just teaching all day or whatever. Um, so I thought, okay, well video, like my YouTube channel is reaching a lot of people, but what if I could offer something that's a little more organized and have more resources like, you know, worksheets or, um, checklists or something that you can't necessarily add in an organized way to a YouTube channel. Um, so I created my first video course and it was something totally new to me, but it's not like I was the first person to ever create a video course. So it was new to me, but not new to, you know, the world. It's just, um, when was that? It was like 2013, I want to say. Um, yeah, it was kind of when everything was starting to yeah. like really ramp up. I mean, there were online courses that universities were putting out and there were ways to put new. together your online course, but very new. And like the Udemy was still pretty early on and the, all these other startups yeah. for anyone in the world creating a course and sharing with the world. It was all pretty new back in 2013 still. It was really exciting because I don't know exactly what year Udemy started, but they were so new then. I just heard of them. They were actually courting teachers, like trying to get more teachers to offer courses on there. I don't think that they're doing that anymore because there's so many courses and so many instructors that are on Udemy now because they, you know, found out it's a, it's a, great resource for starting your first online course. Um, so yeah, so I learned about that platform and happened to put my first course on there back, you know, a few years ago. Uh, and I just, I was nervous. I was so nervous cause I'd never done it before. I was like, really, are people going to want this? And I was just, I was overwhelmed by people's reaction. I'm not trying to, you know, talk myself up, but like people really found it helpful. And that was what gave me the motivation to keep going with my online courses. 
Nice. So before we dive deeper into your course creation process, can we jump forward in time a little bit? And can you share with the audience any sort of insight on what has not just online courses, but your YouTube channel and maybe income from your YouTube channel and any of your other online businesses? What has that allowed you to do? And I don't know if you want to share any income or any sort of idea for uh, what you're making, but feel free to share anything. Well, Let's go back to, let's see, 2014. Um, I was working as a professor in Tokyo. This was like my best job I'd ever had on paper. <laughs> like good salary. Sounds pretty legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Professor in Tokyo, English professor in Tokyo. And I I really wanted to do my own thing as an online teacher, but I was like, man, I have this great job. I'm scared. I'm never going to make this much again. And um, finally, like the January of 2015, um, I had the opportunity to leave that job and uh, do my own thing. And I was so scared. But then the course that I launched right after that, started making me three times what I was making in my my paycheck at that. Wow. So, I mean, I don't like to mention like specific numbers. Yeah, but that's the fine. The idea is that, oh my God, I wish I had done that earlier because it was like, I was so scared, but for what? I mean, there's a lot of ups and downs because you don't have a stable paycheck, but sometimes you can do even better. And I think you know, if I could go back and do things differently, I would just have more confidence in myself and go for it. Um, yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> that, that's just amazing. And so that, it sounds like that happened really quickly. Was this on Udemy or was this on your own platform no, where you st- that was sold this course? My own platform. Yeah. Okay. And so Udemy was, was a great kind of first, um, platform to use because, you know, it's, it's easy. You just post your stuff up there. But then I decided to move my courses to my own website because I can just control a lot more. And I, I didn't have to try to keep up with all the changes, um, Mm -hmm. that they were, that they were making. Um, so yeah, that was on my own website, um, doing my own marketing and, you know, it helped that I had had my YouTube channel for a few years and, most of my traffic was coming from that. Um, so. so you had your YouTube channel and which today is for your go natural English is over 270,000 yeah, subscribers it's and it's so fast and it's going to be more by the time people listen to this podcast. Uh, my so crazy goal for this year is to hit a million subscribers. You can do it. It's the start <laughs> of the year. You can do it. I believe it. I mean, that seems to ha- be how YouTube and everything works. It, it's an exponential growth as long as you continue to feed it and to put content out, which yeah. you're posting, it looks like, almost every day, right? Yeah, that's how I'm uh, I'm going to get to a million, hopefully, is just by being consistent. Nice. Yeah. So are you? So you have this YouTube channel with all these students. When you launched your first course, how did you go about promoting it to your audience? Email. Um, mostly, mm-hmm. um, somewhat talking about it in my videos. I want to say this, my first course was like four years ago. So it's a little, I'm sorry. I'm not remembering exactly what I did. Um, but I want to say social media on YouTube and through email, just overall having an email list and talking to people on email has been really effective. 
Got it. Got it. Yeah. And so are you directing people to that email list from your YouTube videos? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So in terms of your course production, what equipment are you using to make your videos? And um, also for hosting on your site, what what tools are you using? Yeah, well, I like to keep it really simple because, uh, yeah, I mean, some people love editing videos. I don't. <laughs> some people love, you know, geeking out with like, all crazy equipment. I actually do love geeking out with equipment, but then I realize I don't really get it done unless I just keep it really simple. So I just, honestly, I use my smartphone, my, my iPhone for most of my videos. Um, and also my laptop, just using the, the built-in camera and, uh, slides, you know, either in Google drive, uh, presentations or like keynotes. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think what else. What about I mean, your microphone? Yeah, I was just going to say the one piece of equipment that I would suggest investing in um, is a microphone. And so I started off with like a very cheap lapel mic. I think it was about $12 on Amazon. I don't even remember what the brand was. It was probably like no name. It's brand. That first one that yeah. pops up when you search for lapel. Yeah. yeah. And that was an improvement, but it wasn't really great. I think after that, I got, oh gosh, I've probably had a dozen different microphones, but let me just fast forward to right now. I'm yeah. using a, uh, a Rode lapel mic. That's, I think it was about $75 when I bought it on Amazon. Um, and yeah, it just, it makes things sound better when you're making videos. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think audio is so important. And from the other people I've talked to on the show, it's like the first thing you should invest in is a better microphone. And especially for a class where you're teaching people another language or English, mm. they've got to be able to hear you clearly. Yeah. So, and for your website, what are you using to host your courses? Oh, right. So right now, all my courses are digital downloads. So it's mm. just one mm -hmm. click and you get all the files. So it's very simple. Um, in the past and actually in the future, I'm going to be offering membership area only, um, uh, products courses. So I've used member mouse as a way to secure, um, course information, course, um, materials. And, mm -hmm. uh, I used WP courseware in the past. That's good for organizing your course. I may try something different this time. I'm, I'm actually looking at different options right now. So we might have to have a second interview so I can tell you how I worked <laughs> out all of that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it seems like something you're going to, you know, be successful at. And I know a lot of people who are starting out with courses, they put them on Udemy or these other marketplaces, mm -hmm. but then they, ultimately want to transition them to their own platform. So knowing the different options is great. I'm using Teachable right now. Uh, a lot for, of people are, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people are using Teachable and Thinkific because it's so easy. It's great if you want, um, you know, that separate website because th there's ways to kind of connect it to your website. Like right now, my I designed it in a way so that my Teachable site looks very similar to my own website. But at the end of the day, it still is a separate website. So if you want that seamless connection, it's not the best option unless you build your whole website on your Teachable site, which is something something that a lot of people do or yeah. Thinkific. I, um, I see yeah. like sites like Teachable offering 
more, um, I don't want to say services, but like more points that are really helpful and attractive. So I think it's worth looking at them and not like writing them off. I'm actually going to take a look at Teachable and some other sites just to see, because sometimes like not having to do all the design or the, you know, customer service or whatever, not having to do that is really, it saves a lot of time. It's worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, with a digital download, there's lots of tools out there for you to, you know, just be able to sell something and allow someone to download it. But with Teachable or Thinkific, especially with the membership idea, you can create a bundle of courses or a single course and everything's automated, including the payment processing and making sure everyone pays on time every month. Uh, So it's definitely something to look at. There is a cost to it. Mm. Um, You can get started, I think, for both platforms. It's, It's actually you could start for free but they take 10% or around 10% of every sale. Uh, but you don't get all the options that you do when you pay for like the monthly price for those platforms. Right. But I would check them out. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a bit more expensive when you use a platform like that to host. Um, also, I mean, those are great for video courses or really huge courses where you have big file sizes, like you have lectures on video. But your first digital product doesn't have to be a huge video course. It could be an ebook. It could be an audio ebook. It could be like a stack of slides that people can download. And for that, you don't need to have a platform. You just need to have a button where people can pay you and then download the material. Yeah, that's easy. And are you just using a WordPress plugin for that or how are you actually doing that? I use SendOwl. I've been really happy with SendOwl. And, um, it's just a matter of adding the link to pay you on your website. Nice. Sounds pretty simple. So what's the, so this is awesome. I'm really glad that I have you on the show because a lot of people I'm talking to are doing the whole Udemy thing. Yeah. Uh, but to talk to you and see that you're so successful on your own sites, inspiring for me. And I think a lot of people, can you walk me through what the funnel looks like in Mm. terms of getting someone in? aware of you to actually purchasing your process or your, your, your course or your product? Sure. So, I mean, back to Udemy, just to frame this, the reason why people use Udemy besides it's so easy to put a course on there is that that's a place where a lot of people are going to look for courses. They spend a lot of money on marketing to get people to their website. So the idea is just to go somewhere where there's a lot of people that could be Udemy, that could be Teachable, that could be YouTube, (laughs) it could be Facebook, it could be Reddit, it could be Quora, it could be any number of sites where a lot of people are going to look for information or helpful things. So that's where my funnel starts is places where there are lots of people looking for information, <laughs> which is like right. basically the whole internet. But, um, but you know, YouTube has worked really well for me. So let's start with YouTube. I mean, I give a lot of free English tips, little short lessons. So, I mean, really that's the number one thing that I keep telling people is you have to give before you get anything. You have to give something helpful, show people your value, show them why they should even be interested in working with you. And then from there, you can tell them how to work with you. (laughs) So it seems really simple, right? But it's I think the hard part is that people get frustrated. They want it to happen overnight. I mean, look, I started Go Natural English in 2011. And just in the last couple of years, it's been super successful. But like from 2011 to 2013, 14, 
there were moments where I was thinking to myself, what am I doing trying to make this into a business? Like I should just go get another real job. I could be making more money if I picked up another course at a language school or something. Like, why am I even bothering with this? And, and I'm getting a whole bunch of trolls in the comments and YouTube mm-hmm. and it's just depressing. And why am I even bothering? So there were moments I was like, I should just quit, but I'm so glad I didn't. Um, because now it's working out. So, I mean, you asked about my funnel. Now I'm telling you my whole story, but like, oh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it does take time and it's, it is simple though. It's as simple. If I was going to boil it all down, it's go to a place with a lot of people, give something of value, something where people can see how you can benefit them and then tell them what the next step is to work with you. Whether that's like, sending you a message or an email or going to your website or joining your Facebook group or leaving a comment, whatever it is, whatever that next step is. Got it. And so for you, for most of your videos, is that next step directing them to a page with an email opt-in or are you sending people to your Facebook group or what? what is that next step for mostly, you? Mostly, yeah, I would send people to my website and ask them to join my email list. But sometimes it's worth doing something different, like asking people to subscribe. Like if you don't have any followers yet, it's kind of a waste of time to ask nobody to join your email list. I mean, that might sound harsh, but like you need to build up a little bit of a following. So if you were just starting your YouTube channel, I would say for the first month, all you should be doing is asking people to subscribe. And then, and then maybe month two offer people, you know, a place where they can opt into your email list or whatever it is that you want them to do. Nice. Okay. And so with YouTube, are you, do you have YouTube ads enabled and are you making money from that or do you just not have, or, and what do you recommend for people starting out? Yeah. So I've pretty much always, I mean, after, after I guess about a thousand subscribers had YouTube ads enabled and I've always loved it because that's like my coffee money. I'm like, <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee, so I need that extra money. Um, no, but it's it's kind of addictive. It's like, wow, this is cool. <laughs> YouTube is sending me money. So, um, so yeah, I have that enabled. I don't think I'm allowed to say how much I'm making. It's not a lot. I'll just say that. Like that would never. Well, maybe maybe when I get a million subscribers, but I don't yeah. think that would ever support me. Um, mm-hmm. Not even pay my rent while I'm living yeah. in New York, but. <laughs> Um, I do have that turned on, but I will say if I make a video that is kind of like salesy, like if I'm promoting a product of mine or if I'm trying to like promote something in particular, I will shut the ads off because I just, Mm -hmm. I just think it's too much. Like I don't, I don't want to over, overdo the ads. Um, and a lot of people nowadays have ad blockers. So, um, you're not going to make a ton on that. So it's it's kind of a hot topic. Like a lot of people just say, turn them off. It's not worth your time. I keep them on because it's still worth it to me. Like it's not a lot, but it's still enough. I agree. I agree. And I have them turned on on my own YouTube channel. And I've had them probably from the beginning about like the same, like a thousand subscribers or so. And it's not going to pay my rent, but especially in the beginning, even like $50 in yeah. a month was like, this is amazing that I could make $50 on YouTube. And and one thing I've noticed on YouTube 
I mean, I've been consistent with posting videos, not every day, but every week or so. It, the income has been consistent on YouTube. There's not a big spike, uh, for me anyways, sort of like my online courses, there, there are spikes, mm -hmm. uh, like November, Black Friday sales are huge. January is a really big month, but then there are some really slow months in the middle of summer and on YouTube and these other streams of income that I have, I've found that it is a little bit more consistent, which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice having multiple streams of income, period. Are you enjoying this episode? We hope you're learning to become a better course creator. If you want to learn the fast track to six figures with online courses, get your free seven-step guide to success at onlinecoursemasters.com. Now let's get back to the show. Kind of backing up though with YouTube channels and course creation, a lot of people come to me to learn about how to make an online course or even how to start a YouTube channel and they don't even know what they want to teach yet or they don't even know what they want to create a YouTube channel about. And you know, there's something to be said about, well, maybe I don't even know if you should be creating a YouTube channel if you don't know what you want to create a channel about yet. But there's a lot of people that just want to do it for fun. So what what advice do you have for people who for coming up with a good topic or a good idea for courses or a YouTube channel? So there's two different things. Um, either. OK, first of all, if you just have something that you're obsessed with and you kind of want to scratch your own itch. Like if you want to learn about creating online courses, but you've never made an online course, like go out and learn stuff about making an online course and make a YouTube channel about it. And you don't have to be an expert to make a YouTube channel about it. You could just say, Hey, let's see what works. I'm going to, you know, introduce something that I learn every day and just do that. The other thing is if you do notice that people come to you asking your advice on certain topics, like maybe if people are always asking for your help with their math homework or uh, relationship advice or like asking you how to fix their car or whatever it may be, then that would be something that you could probably help people with on YouTube and with an online course. Um, so I think it's it's worth picking one of those, like either something that you're really obsessed with or something that other people are always asking you for help with. Love it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And um, I think you're going to have fun with the videos if you're passionate about the subject. Mm -hmm. And I think ideally it's kind of a combination and it's the same sort of subject that people are asking you about that kind of thing. And then you're passionate about it. So it's fun making those videos. And for people starting out, what advice do you have for like just getting started? I, I know a lot of people who start a YouTube channel and they're stuck at 25 subscribers and they're getting 50 views per video and they're still putting out a lot of content every week or every couple of days, but they're just not getting the views or the subscribers as fast as they want. Do you have any tips for helping people to grow faster? Yeah, there's a lot of things you can do to grow faster. But the first thing that's going to help you the most from feeling frustrated is understand that from zero to 100 is the most difficult. You have to be patient with yourself. I mean, I think in my first year, I think by a year I got to a thousand subscribers. But I mean, it's slow from zero to 100. It might take you six months and then another six months to get to a thousand. And that's actually pretty fast. 
So just be patient, like chill. And you need to keep creating consistently interesting and helpful content. And like, don't expect to be the next like Casey Neistat or PewDiePie. Like it takes time. How long have they been doing this? Like years and their background. Well, at least Casey Neistat, like he is a videographer, you know, that's what he does. So another thing I would say is if you're not a videographer, then make it really easy on yourself. Like just do YouTube live. Don't mess around with editing and be real and music and oh my God, no. I mean, I know I know some other YouTubers who would strongly disagree with me. Like no, quality before quantity. Like no, be consistent and do what's easy for you. That's what I do and that's what's worked. Um, what else? So consistency and then a lot of people get to posting their video and they're like, yes, success. I'm done. I posted it. That's uh -huh. just the beginning, right? Like you posted right. it, but nobody cares if they can't find it. So you need to help people find it. And there's a gazillion ways to do that. But like things like writing a good title, like please, unless you are Casey Neistat, don't <laughs> make your title my vlog or like video one. <laughs> Only he can get away with that. Not you or right. me. <laughs> Right, right. So make it so, easy to find, yeah. Are you doing um, keyword research like that before you even create videos or just kind of after creating a video, do you kind of try to figure out what the best title and description is? Yeah, I probably do keyword research like a couple times a year just um, just to get an idea of what's trending, but I don't do it every time I post. But it is worthwhile to see like what keywords are popular in your in your niche, um, just mm -hmm. see like what other related videos are titled. And I think there's different strategies. Like there's titles or descriptions that are really keyword rich versus there's other people that just make a title that makes you curious to click, like the more clickbait titles, right? And they both yeah. work, but you just got to try it out. And also, I mean, if you do like a clickbait title that may not work until you have a little bit of an audience already. Yeah, like yeah, Casey Neistat, he make he has these clickbaity titles, yeah. but it works because he's built this audience that will watch 20 minutes of him every day. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter if it's clickbaity, but if us as kind of new YouTube creators just have these clickbait titles and then people s end up watching the video and not liking it and clicking off of it within the first 20 seconds, that's going to really hurt. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, ma matching the expectations of the viewers I think really important for new YouTubers. And I, I love what you said about just the first thousand subscribers is really hard mm -hmm. and the first hundred is hard. Mm -hmm. And, but it's the, it does seem to be this exponential growth if you stick with it and it just gets faster and easier as time goes on. I mean, I yeah. started my channel right around the same time and I'm not, I, I'm like way nowhere near you, but I think I have like 40,000 subscribers now. But even in my graph, you can see like it's Gets growing easier. at a faster rate. And the last hundred subscribers were like way easier than the first hundred subscribers. But so many people give up after, you know, the first year even or the first few months. And so it's hard to tell someone like, well, you just got to stick with it for like three years before you start like seeing any value from it. But that well, it is how a lot be. of people. I mean, yes and no, right? Like I, I say I didn't really make this a business until three years in, but it doesn't have to be that way. I think if you do, 
if you do follow some strategies and if you are consistent and you kind of keep your eyes on the prize, like it doesn't have to take three years. Right. It takes, it takes some time, but you know, maybe like a year instead of three years. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I think you're going to get what you put in into it. Um, and people will see, people can see through stuff that's just like put out there to grow their own audience. But if you're giving out high quality free information, it's, People are going to understand that. So I've got a question because this is very uh, helpful for the listeners, but it's also very helpful for me. And as someone who's like been pretty successful on Udemy, I've always been sort of worried. I've like dabbled with this idea of self-hosting my courses or just having a self-hosted courses course that I don't put on Udemy. So what what can you tell me to like? inspire me to like want to do that versus just put my course on Udemy, which I know will be semi-successful now, um, now that I have an audience on Udemy. Um, do you have any like advice for someone like me who's like wondering if I should jump to the self-hosted side of things? Yeah, I think it depends on what your long-term vision is. I mean, I see if you want to do this for many years, if you want to work in the online course space and you want to build a personal brand or, or a business brand, then I would, I would host things on your own site, but maybe use Udemy as a way to bring traffic to your site. The benefits of hosting on your own site are, you know, you don't have to keep up with every time Udemy changes, um, a rule or, you know, whatever their pricing structure or, you know, or teachable or whatever platform you're using, right? You make that up. You can decide completely on the design, on um, pricing, coupons, affiliates. Like you have control over all aspects of your course. Now, that also means more responsibility, right? Right. <laughs> um, but then, you know, you people know that they come to your website if they want you versus going to a third party website if they want you or your content. And the thing also is, I think when you're being compared with other teachers and courses on Udemy, it kind of makes you seem like more of a commodity. It's like Mm. when you go to Walmart looking for whatever it is you're looking for and you see like 20 different brands on the shelf, you start shopping probably for price um, or reviews, right? Like on Amazon, you kind of do that thing where you look at how many five stars there are. But if you start building your own brand, it's like a boutique. It's like your favorite little t-shirt shop that you know you have to go there to get that brand because it's not at Walmart. So people have to do that and they're more willing to pay a premium for that. Right. Oh, that is so good. And in terms of like pricing, what what are you charging for your programs on your own site and what have you found like a sweet spot? Have you tested out different prices? Yeah, I'll just say the higher you go, the less issues you have with customer service because people are willing to invest. They know that they're going to get uh, a good return on what they're learning and they trust you. You you have a good relationship with them. But it's like the higher you go with price, it's also the deeper relationship that you have with that student or that that customer. I just mean it takes time. You know, um, if you're if you're selling a thousand dollar program, that's not something that is an impulse buy where people come by your website. They're like, 
oh yeah, I'm just going to, I think I'll just pick that up because it looks cool. Like that's something that people think about. They want to trust you. They want to know you. So I have a range of prices, you know, from an ebook that's like $9 to programs that are over a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. That's neat. Uh, yeah. I'm sure like people who pay a thousand dollars are going to be more invested and and less likely to complain even because they they are willing to put in, you know, the price and the the effort to make sure that it works for them. Totally, yeah. Uh, so, um in terms of selling these things though, $1000 is a lot of money. Even to me like a, selling a product that's $100 seems like a lot of money and hard to do compared to a $20 ebook or a $20 Udemy course. So what are you doing besides just, are you just sending people to a sales page? Are you doing the whole webinar thing? How are you getting people to actually convert and purchase those higher products, premium products? So I think it's dangerous to say like, yeah, I just did it with a webinar because it's not about just doing one webinar. People who buy my courses that are over a thousand dollars have been following me for years. They've seen consistently good, helpful um, videos on my YouTube channel or information on my email list, or they've come to maybe more than one webinar. And I might have had a Skype call with them individually. Um, Mm. I've been building the relationship on social media, email and YouTube for you know, not days, weeks, months, but sometimes years. So it's not just like I it's it's not just about, oh, yeah, post a webinar and you're going to sell thousands of dollars. That's if anyone tells you that I would probably run the other way. It's really about showing that you can be trustworthy and you have a quality training product. Yeah, I see so many people trying to teach people how to sell stuff with webinars now and it's the it's kind of the hot thing right now is to sell an online course do a webinar and there's some people that do it and are teaching how to do webinars that are are definitely teaching how to do a webinar that sells but it's it's also I can tell that a lot of them just do it for for the money because there's so many people interested in this topic right now I would think about too like what would you pay a thousand dollars for like I've I've invested in training for myself um, for uh, learning about business and uh, you know you think about who or or what kind of offer would you actually put a grand down for and then maybe try to do something like that I mean I think it takes several uh, what I'd call touch points like you might Uh, get on someone's email list. You might take a lower price training with them. You might actually attend a live workshop or a mastermind or something like that um, and then decide to invest the money. And also another thing that uh, I would advise is before you, I mean, in general, like for anyone, before you actually try to sell a thousand dollar product, you need to have already invested in a thousand dollar product. So you know what it takes to do that and also what one looks like. Mm -hmm. Are there any key like points that you can say, like what, what should be included or what can be included in a thousand dollar product to make it worth that? It's a lot again about relationships and having a personal touch because the one thing that's super super, super valuable is your time or the expert's time, right? So 
Um, something that's a one-click download might be cheaper than something that involves my personal coaching, right? Because that's that's not a renewable instant download resource. <laughs> right. It's not scalable. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I like that. So I think maybe including things like monthly, you know, one-on-one time or even a group monthly chat or something, Q&A sessions or some one-on-one coaching is good. Uh, it's something I'm definitely thinking about doing. I've always tried to, or I have done a couple more premium products in the past, but it was before I was ready to do it. And so I think at this point in my you know, career of cr- creating online courses, I have been successful with the smaller courses, but it's time to step it up and try something a little bit bigger. So I think I'm going to brainstorm what I could do. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think that everybody starts with a, you know, a lower price point, whether it's like $5, $9, $20, like you just, you start somewhere, right? Yeah, right. So I want to ask you, what does a typical day look like uh, for Gabby Wallace? Because you're juggling all of these different businesses and platforms and social media and YouTube and everything else. What, what does like a typical day look like this, this week? Yeah, I love that question. Actually, that was one of the recent questions that I answered. I've been doing a daily YouTube live on my YouTube channel um, for online teachers. Um, So I can give you a link to that. But um, there is no typical day, but there is kind of a typical week. So like on um, either Sunday night or maybe even Friday night, I would plan the week that's coming up. And make sure, you know, I've, if there's things I need to do, like to, I don't know, like confirm a meeting or something, you know, make sure that's all in order. And then I would usually have a couple days a week where I'm doing meetings or interviews or things that require me to like meet online. Right. Um, and then, yeah, like a few days where I'm doing more working on the business. So thinking about strategy or marketing. Um, I also have an assistant. I'm really lucky to have an awesome assistant helping me. And we have a meeting and I'll think about, you know, how we can work best together, how to delegate things to her. Um, Nice. I want to ask you about that. So you, yeah, getting an assistant, outsourcing or just getting rid of some of the tasks that I do is something I want to do this year. So what was your process for finding that assistant and what, what do what are they actually helping you out with? Well, I had really good luck, um, finding someone through my friends who also work online. So this was a friend of a friend, which sometimes can be tricky. Like I don't actually advise hiring a friend, but maybe a friend of a friend's. And I I did have a pretty in-depth hiring process. So like a job description, an application. Um, For other positions, I've required a video application. So I think it's really worthwhile to make the, the application process a bit stringent. And so you set that expectation of like, this is not just doing a favor, buddy, buddy, let's hang out. It'll be fun. Like it needs to be an official job. (laughs) Right. Um, And some of the things, well, anything where it doesn't require like my personal touch, like, um, honestly, there's, there's not a whole lot that really, really requires my personal touch. It's more of a matter of, I prefer, like, I still prefer doing my own YouTube videos. I still, 
prefer uh, writing, you know, even social media posts or emails. But like, there's just pretty much if you let go of that need to control everything, which is really hard, you can pretty much replace yourself everywhere unless you're building a personal brand and you like need your face to be on the videos or um, doing, you know, the coaching or um, right. whatever right. it is. Uh, that's something that I have to I have to let go and let other people help me out. That's definitely something I want to do. And Art. are you paying are you paying her like a salary, like a weekly amount or just per project or how, how does that work? So I usually pay per hour, but um, it depends because she's helping me with ongoing work. If I have a project, I would I have in the past paid other people just for the project. So I think it depends on what you're actually hiring for. Got it. Okay, that's yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, okay, so we're wrapping up. I got a few questions left. Uh, where do you envision yourself in five years, and what are you doing right now to achieve that? Yeah, I love this question. I know that at heart, I'm an entrepreneur. I love to uh, create things. I love to help people with new creations, whether that's an online course or, you know, who knows, someday it might be something totally different. But um, yeah, it's it's hard to imagine five years from now. But I know in general, I'm going to keep creating. I just love creating stuff. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Just keep creating. I think that, you know, content is king. And if we just keep creating content, it's, you know, going to give us all success. So do you, I know you do, because I know you have your own website, but do you, can you, you can talk about your own website or any other resources or inspiring people, blogs, books, or anything that would help our listeners? Yeah, well, my own website is gabbywallace.com, G-A-B-B-Y-W-A-L-L-A-C-E.com. And I'm posting advice for becoming an online teacher, creating your own products, services, marketing, all that good stuff. And as I mentioned, I'm doing a daily uh, YouTube video Q&A, so it's a live stream. It's pretty fun. Uh, you can check that out on YouTube, and I'll put a link to that on my website so it's easy to find. Um, yeah, yeah I'm sh- I'll link to that stuff. Is that your own YouTube channel, or is the yeah, just no, the Go Natural Gabby English? Gabby Wallace. Yeah, no, those Gabby are Wallace. completely separate brands. Got so, it. Yeah, just Gabby Wallace for the teachers. Um, yeah, so those those would be a couple good places to start. I would start at GabbyWallace.com, and then I'll put a link to YouTube. And yeah, I love to just connect with people. So I'm I'm glad that I can talk to you and your audience here. And it's been really fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Gabby. I'm, I know people listening to this are going to just be inspired. And I think you've given them a lot of, you know, step-by-step processes or, or you've broken down this whole idea of making money with online courses into smaller bits like creating a YouTube channel or putting together a smaller product like an ebook or a smaller course. And I think you've given a lot of inspiring advice. So thanks so much for being on the podcast. And um, I would love to have you on in the future to see how you're doing with your membership site. And awesome. uh, so I challenge you to get that up and running so that we can talk about it in the future. Yeah, let's talk soon. Thank you so much, Phil. I hope you enjoyed this episode. 
There's no better way to learn how to become a better online course creator than heading over to onlinecoursemasters.com and downloading your free seven-step guide to success. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show wherever you listen and make sure to leave a rating. If you do, I might even read it on a future show. Help us reach our first 100 ratings. It'll just take an extra minute of your time and help me know how to make this show even better. Thanks and have a beautiful day.